Welcome to this new life podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. We're going to have a love feast, a word feast. And we asked these four people to talk about love, to share about His great love. And with the campaign that we have, we need to be reminded that we are loved. Every day, I need to remind myself I'm loved by God. Right? When I wake up in the morning, I always need to remind myself I am loved by God. Amen? Because when you focused on something, it becomes the most important thing in your life. Right? And that is why today, we've asked them to preach and share something along the lines of love. And we've given them 10 minutes. You know, coming out from our trainings, we are always wanting to learn and grow. And that is why from the trainings, we ask these four, mighty four, fantastic four, all right, we have Pearl, we have Cox, amen, we have Cats, and of course, the 50-year-old Cyrus. Okay, let's welcome Pearl right now. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much to our pastors once again for the opportunity that you have given and you're giving the younger generation. Papi, you are included in the younger generation. Amen. All right, and we just want to greet our daughter Q. Thank God you're allowed to be here with us. Yay! All right, so of course, my mom and my in-laws. Alam niyo po yung pag nasa TV tapos, ay, binabati ko po yung pamilya ko. <laughs> so anyway, moving forward and making the most out of my time. If you are taking down notes and we are encouraging you to do so and also having a takeaway culture to those who are with us online, my title for this message is The Father's Love. If you can journey with me to Genesis chapter 22. Let me start with verse 1. It says here, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with a donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. 
And he bound Isaac, his son. I want you to picture this. He bound Isaac, his son, and laid him up, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But, can you say, but? But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now let's look at vital statements that we can get from this passage. First statement, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. You know, interestingly, the word love in the Bible was first mentioned in Genesis chapter 22. And it meant Ahab of love to son. It speaks about the love of a father. You know, if we were Abraham, we could initially tell God, wait, what? Can you say that? <laughs> Wait, what? Right? Just like how our daughter would speak it over to us. You see, the son of promise that Abraham and Sarah waited in their old age was set to be sacrificed. That is something that does not make sense, right? But take note that Abraham also had Ishmael but recognizing that Isaac is the son of promise. So he was all the more precious for him. So church, just a question that you can think of. What is a promise that has been given to you and it feels like it is being taken away from you? And just to clarify, our God is not and will never be a taker. He is all about providing for you and I in any capacity. But today, we are being challenged, church. We are being challenged with this thought. Do we love the promise more than the promise giver? Does our love towards God only get activated when things make sense or even when it doesn't? Is your love anchored in the love of the Father? Second statement, we will come back to you. You know, understanding God's love towards us actually empowers us to trust Him even with the ridiculous. Abraham knew that he was set to sacrifice Isaac, but still he said to the, to the young men that he was with that both he and Isaac will come back. It was actually a result of years and years of believing and trusting in God. You know, even talking about our daughter, Q, it's unbearable to think of sacrificing our daughter, 
right? It's, it's something that we cannot fathom. So I can just picture what Abraham went through. But it's amazing how he immediately obeyed and responded to the instructions that God gave him. And with that, let's go quickly to Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19 in the New King James Version. It says here, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. What can we get from this? How great was his trust that even if the ram was not provided, he was willing to trust that God would be able to raise Isaac from the dead. What instructions, New Life, what instructions, Church, is God giving to you right now that you are hesitating to step into because you are fearful to lose something that is so dear to you? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. If we have this picture in mind, it takes a secured person in the love of God to be able to give this answer. And out of this, interestingly, Isaac also got secured in the truth that God will provide. See, church, our trust towards God and towards his love does not just affect us, but also the people around us. Third and last statement with the time that I have, but thank you once again for the time that you will give to me. A ram caught in a thicket. Thank God, because there are no accidents with him. There are no coincidences with God. You may feel like you were born here through an accident, but guess what? For God, you are not an accident. Even from this story, may it be with a ram caught in a thicket or even with what transpired that day, there were no accidents. Abraham was set to sacrifice Isaac in the land of Moriah. The same mountain range where Jesus was crucified. I don't know about you, but that gets me so excited. This was a picture, church, of how God, our Abba Father, how God willingly gave His only Son, the Son of promise for you and I, for us to be saved, for us to be forgiven, for us to receive an eternal life. Isaac became a picture of mankind and the ram being a substitute for us. It was a picture of how Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for you and I. Quickly, in Romans 8.32, it says here, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not, new life, how shall he not with him 
also freely give us all things. You want to know and be reminded of how loved you are? How loved are you, church? God did not spare his best for you. Aside from the word love, the word worship was also mentioned here for the very first time. Worship that is depicted through a sacrificial offering, an act of love. You see, when we understand how loved we are, it appropriates our response of worship unto Him. Is your worship anchored in the love of the Father? Wrapping it up, if you have any doubts with God's love for you, always go back to the reality that Jesus Christ Himself was offered up for you. Worship and reverence towards God are always, always anchored on our understanding of the truth that we are loved by Him. You are loved. That's why you can respond through worship. And more of that as my husband shares. All right. Let's go. Thank you. Good job to my wife. So, uh, and I, I, I'm going to take from what something that she read earlier uh, about Abraham going to a place where God showed him, right? That's what uh, the story was about. Going to a place where God showed him. Doesn't that, for me, when I, when I heard that, it just uh, brought me back to a, to a term that we have, we have gone accustomed to at this season of almost two years in the pandemic. Uh, the term pinned location, right? I'm sure all of us have used that. Uh, whether you're using Grab or Lalamove or, you know, whatever that is, there's a pinned location on your phone, right? What that does is it shows the, the delivery guy where he or she will, should be, should come, right? And thinking about that, I'm sure a lot of us here or most of us or all of us, if there's one person, you know, we've talked to in the past months more and more, Right? And you're going to think, I'm going to say Jesus. In the pandemic, Jesus. Because we're in church. But if there's one person I think we have talked to, it's, it's a delivery guy. Right? It's someone who, who delivers something to you, to your house. Right? I don't know how many conversations I have had with, you know, with Grab drivers or uh, Lalamu drivers. And here's the thing. It's easy if, you know, they find the location. Right? Easy. Uh, sir, I'm here. All right, I go out. I get whatever that is. But how many of you have had conversations with, uh, you know, with these delivery guys? And they're saying, sir, I'm here. I'm here at the, the pin location. And then you go out, and then wala naman tao, right? No one's there, right? How many can relate with that? So you're going to go to the, the process of saying, okay, where, where are you? Right? Where are you? Andito ako sa, sa labas ng bahay namin, pero wala ka naman. And, you know, thinking, thinking deeper with that, I wonder how many times in our life we've arrived at a certain location thinking we're gonna find love or thinking we're gonna find God's love, but then we cannot be farther from reality. We cannot be farther 
from love itself. And you know what? If we're going to look around our world right now, it's filled with images or pictures or whatever the media will throw at us that love should look like this. This, this is love, right? It's an image, but is it really love? I'm going to take you to two places in the Old Testament and New Testament. This is how I'm going to uh, do it. As I discuss a place, I'm going to show what it meant in the Old Testament and what it can, can uh, pertain to now that in, we're in the New Testament. Right? First place I want to show you is something called a high place. Right? A high place. What this is, is it's a place in the Old Testament where the people of God, they would go there they would bring their sacrifices. They would worship because they, you know, they're thinking, this is, this is where God is, all right? I'm going to meet God here. I'm going to receive something from God here. The problem with that is if you're going to research on what the high place means, it's actually a place dedicated to other gods. It's not a place where God said, I'm going to be there. It's a place wherein other gods or, uh, you know, other foreign gods, would, their statues will be there. And for some reason, the people of God, they would go to these places thinking that they're worshiping God. Where, if you're going to study it, they're actually worshiping something else, right? We're going to shift to, the, to where we're at right now in the New Testament. Our high places nowadays. It can be a sense of, you know, of a sense, a false sense of security. For me personally, it can be my good works, right? I'm doing something and I'm thinking, you know what, this is for God. So I'm going to receive something from Him because I'm doing something. Eh? So dapat, you know, there's something in return. It can be those things. And those, are, those can be high places where we go with, you know, our purity thinking, you know what, I'm going to meet God here. But is God really there? Is God there? So the question is, you know, talking about the high places, where is God? Where is God's love? Whether in the Old Testament or New Testament. Second place I want to give you is the temple. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 3. This is what God was telling Solomon when uh, he built the temple. And he said, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have, I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. This is the place where God said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there in the temple. And for some reason, I don't know where the communication breakdown went, but people went to the high place thinking they're going to find God where he said he's going to be at the temple. Now, that's in the Old Testament. What about in the New Testament, where we're at right now? Is God in a physical building? Is God in, a, you know, in, the, in the stone? Where do we find that? Jesus had a conversation with a woman at the well in John 4. And just to give you a, a view of that, this is what Jesus was telling the woman, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Jesus was telling this woman that, you know what, you used to worship on a mountain, you used, you used to go to a building, but there will come a time where you're going to worship in spirit and truth. Where is God in our time right now? He is dwelling in us. He is dwelling in His people. Where God's presence is, can we agree that His love is there? Wherever God's presence is, His love is there. Why can we say that we are loved? Because from what we just went through, God went from a place of meeting to a place of dwelling. God went from saying, you know, meet me here. I'm going to be there, so meet me there. And then now He's saying, I'm going to be with you. I will dwell in you. I just remember, you know, the, the bags that we have been giving out, right? We launched it last week, right? And through so social media, a lot of requests coming in. A lot of you have already, you know, used your bags. And for us, uh, we did go out and uh, through Youth Collective, we were giving out these bags. And as we were giving out, of course, people are very thankful, right? Uh, they love getting uh, free gasoline. That's what we did. And then we gave them the bags. But when I was doing that, it's easy for me to jump into, you know, to my thinking, to jump into the conclusion that, you know what, maybe God loves me a bit more, right? Because I did something for Him, right? I was, we, were we were saying, you know, God loves you. Maybe in my mind, I was thinking, maybe, you know, God, I have extra favor because I did something for God, right? But quickly, we have to arrest that because for me personally, that can become a high place. That can be a place where I, I, I could continually go to and think, hey, I'm going to find God there. If I only keep doing something good, maybe I'm going to find God's love there. But where is God's love? He's dwelling in you. God's love is in you. That's why you get to go out. That's why we get to bless people. Because you understand that His love dwells in us first. We're not going out there, you know, seeking God's love. It's in us as we have accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. So church, you are free to give out. You are free to bless other people, especially at a, at a time like this. How can you tell others, you know, you are loved? How can you say that? Because God is dwelling in you. So talking about pinned location, where is God's love located? If we have accepted Jesus in our hearts, it is located in you, in your heart. Thank you, everyone, and you are loved. Wow. Power couple, the Lehaukos. You know what? One verse just comes to mind, and I'm strongly prompted by the Holy Spirit to remind you of this as well. You're the apple of God's eye. <laughs> How in love is God with you? You're not just loved, but God is in love with you. He sees you and He knows you. He hears you. He understands you. He cares for you. And that, this campaign that we have in church, you are loved. It's not just you know, a, an eloquent phrase. It's not just something that we want to do because we don't have anything to do. No, we want you 
to get back to the basics, the core essentials of who you are in Him. And our desire, every pastor and every leader in this house, our desire is for you to encounter Christ and know and comprehend the width, the height, the depth, and the length of God's love for you. So I'm excited to just bring you to a passage in Scripture this morning that will help us understand what awakens the love of God in us. So turn with me to Luke chapter 7, 41 to 42. And it says here, a certain moneylender had two debtors. Okay, one owed him 500 denarii, which is about two years worth of wages, and the other 50. That's two months worth of wages. When they could not pay, what the moneylender did was he canceled the debt of both. So this event is a story within a story. And we find here that Jesus was talking to a certain Pharisee named Simon. And if you read the, the previous verses in Luke 7, you would find that Jesus is already famous. Because he was out there, he was healing the sick, he was opening blind eyes, he was raising the dead. So it was no wonder that a distinguished man in that town would invite Jesus to come for dinner. But Simon did not foresee that this certain woman of the city would come. And that just to him messed up his entire plans for the evening. In verse 37, I read, Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment or perfume, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. If you can just imagine what's going on here. And she wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with the oil. So this was the backdrop of Jesus' parable. We are introduced to this quote-unquote woman of the city, which meant that she had a reputation for being immoral, which also meant that it was forbidden for her to come near these Pharisees or holy people. But before all of the people present in the area, there were bystanders there. There were marites, you know, and please don't take any offense if your name is Marites, because that just means Mars, what's the latest, you know. So, it's a public gathering, you know, dinners like that where a distinguished rabbi would come. It's like everybody can come and eavesdrop. So, before all the people, the woman comes to Christ and begins one of the most scandalous and beautiful expressions of love, worship, and gratitude ever recorded in Scripture. You know why it's scandalous? Because her gestures were unthinkable to their culture. But it's beautiful because this, ladies and gentlemen, is a picture of the grace of God. She comes to Christ knowing that He is the only one who can make her whole. So again, she kisses the feet of Jesus. She drenches it with her tears. And oh my goodness, that's forbidden. You don't do that if you're a woman. You don't touch somebody who's a stranger. You don't let down your hair in public. So this tells me that this is a woman who had nothing left to lose. But she also knew that she was not too far gone. You know why? You know why? Because she pours out everything that she has. That small flask of perfume 
that alabaster jar filled with oil, that's worth one year's wage. Which also tells us that she could have been following Jesus around for a year. And in her following and encountering Jesus, she, she did not only see the miracles of Christ. Yes, wonderful that Christ can raise the dead. Yes, how amazing that God can heal the sick, provide for their needs. But you know what? I think that she came here to pour out her best to Jesus because she knew that this man was a man who welcomed sinners. This man was a man who dined with tax collectors. She was not an outcast in the presence of Jesus. And that's a picture of God's grace and God's love. And if you were there around the dinner table, kung nahikimarites ka doon, around the party, you know, what would you think? Diba? And I need your participation. Like, would you have your eyebrows raised to the highest level? Can I see those eyebrows right now? But, but, she did not care what other people would think. And Simon was already having this internal monologue and thinking, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is. And he would not allow her to touch him. So Jesus, you know, Jesus has a sense of humor. I believe that. He's not a boring guy. <laughs> we don't have a boring God. And uh, okay, Simon, let me prove to you that I'm not a prophet because I am the Messiah. So he answers Simon's muni muni, his internal monologue, with that parable. And he asks Simon in 42, verse 42, Who do you think loved the moneylender more? The one who had a larger debt or a smaller one? You can also answer. If you're online, you can answer the question. But Simon correctly responds with this. He says, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. So at this point, Jesus arrives at a very important conclusion. And I want you to lean in because this is the climax of the story. He says, therefore, I tell you, her sins which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. This woman is forgiven much, for she has loved much. I want you to get this. The forgiveness that she encountered before Christ, it was not caused by her act of love. No, it was the other way around. Christ's forgiveness came first. Jesus pursued you first. Jesus went after you first. And her love is a response to this forgiveness that she encountered. It's not an emotional response, people. It's not hype. It's a spiritual response. What, what do you do? What do you do when you know that all of your debts are forgiven? That's the problem of Simon kasi. He thinks that he's too good, that he has no need of a savior, that he has no need of someone who will cancel all his debts for him because he did not see Jesus as his savior. But, oh my goodness, this girl knew. Come on, girl. <laughs> but how would you respond? Just think for a moment if your bank calls you and tells you, Hello, ma'am, sir. Hello, ma'am, sir, all your loans are already canceled. Grabe! Or, or, what if I tell you that our national debt of 9.6 trillion pesos is already paid for? Hindi ka pa maglulupasay dito. Sa tuwa, will you not shout for joy? Will you not sing His praises? Will you not? What's the next line? Yeah, you just dance before the Lord. Yeah. So what this woman encounters 
is that she recognizes the magnitude of her debt. She acknowledges her need. I need somebody to take me out of this. And she believes in Jesus, that he is the only one who can save you out of this situation and wipe you clean. She comprehends that all of her sin and the weight of her shame has been wiped clean. And so she responds. Oh, she responds in love and gratitude. This is not performance. If you've ever had a hard time responding to the love of God, the forgiveness of God, let me tell you, you don't have to perform. Oh, you don't have to perform. All you have to do is love because you are loved much. You are forgiven much. And you are part of this greater story where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Jesus took our debt. You want to know how large of a debt we have? Just look at the provision that He made on the cross. And our love that we have for Him now, it's the fruit. It's an unforced response. And it's also the evidence. It's the proof that it's authentic. Radical forgiveness awakens and compels radical love. If you want to love like Christ, if you want to love that person who's hard to love. Oh, if you want to do things in love, and the Bible commands us to do that, if you want to do your work in love, do everything in love, this is the key. You have to grasp how forgiven you are. And if we really think about it, none of us are forgiven much or forgiven less. Because in light of the finished work of Christ, we have been forgiven all. We grow in our love. We grow in our desire and our hunger for Jesus. If you've been feeling like I'm out of passion for Christ, you know what? The key is you comprehend the magnanimity of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The love of God is magnetic. I'm closing with this. The love of God is magnetic. It's not hard to respond to His love, people. It's impossible not, be, not to be drawn to Him and not to be changed by His love. You're not a marites. Tell that, tell that to someone. You're not a bystander. You know what you are? You are a son. You are a daughter. Amen. Loved by God. And you're invited right at His dinner party. You are forgiven much and you are loved much. Amen. Come on, why don't we appreciate Kat? Radical forgiveness awakens love. So I speak for love to awaken in Jesus' name. If you want to know more about Kat, enroll in NLTC because you will get to know the Lord. Amen, in Jesus' name. It's a pleasure to join you here today. If you are here for the first time, welcome to church. Uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity and the privilege to stand among my peers um, we call Cox the professor, and we have the two scribes here. And if you were with us last week, uh, Pastor Stephen just made a brief mention about me being 50. So I would like to set the record straight, if that is okay, on-site and online, but I am not yet 50. I may look like it, but I am not yet there. If you are 50 and if you are strong and thriving, let me just say God bless you. I will join you in a few years, maybe like a decade or so, but yeah. Okay, now that I've got it settled, 
Let me get to what I'm going to share today. All right. Yes, my, my people, the Youth Collective team. Remember, I was with you for eight years. Youth for life. Come on, man. Let me hear it. Eight years. Youth for life. All right. I'm serious now. Let's get it. <laughs> All right. When we were given this um, assignment, the first phrase that jumped into my heart, and I know that it was from God, is this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to read it in the New King James, Lamentations 3, verse 22 to 23. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. We have been talking about our campaign, and more than a campaign, it's, it's about, you know, showing people that they are loved, right? And sometimes it's easy to say to a person that you are loved, but first and foremost, we need to understand that we are loved. So the first question that came to my mind is, how do I know that I am loved? And when I read the scripture, I am reminded that God loves me so much. It says there that, you know, that through the Lord's mercies that I am not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. It says there that His mercies are new every morning and great is His faithfulness towards me. So why don't you say that right now? Say, I am loved. Online, type it out. Say, I am loved. And turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I know that I am loved. You know, isn't it great, you know, to have, you know, people interacting again on, on site? You know, my daughter was here in church in the first service, and it, it felt so weird to say that, but it feels right that my daughter is back in church. Right? And shout out to our um, Little Legends team. You are, all are amazing. Anyway, going back. I want to say to you that you are loved, and you need to have a revelation of that. And in the last, you know, two years of, of the pandemic, I know and I can speak for myself that it has been challenging, yes? Right? But throughout all of the two years almost, I have proven time and time again that God's mercies are fresh and new every day. You know, one of the things that made me realize that I know that I am loved, in those two years, not a single time was my daughter sick. And for me, that is a big deal because... It's, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, when, when you get sick, you have to go through all of the things to get to the hospital and everything. But through the Lord's mercy, my daughter is healthy and whole. Sometimes she's annoying, but it's okay. <laughs> but, right? And, no, Pastor, she, she's the love of my life. My wife is somewhere here. I know she's here. She's the love of my life. She's not annoying. God bless her in Jesus' name. Right? Another testimony. In the two years... Never once did I feel that I was lacking something. You know, never once did I think, you know, what am I going to eat? Right? And you might say, Cyrus, that's good for you, but you don't know what is happening to me. And I understand that, and I, I know that. And in fact, actually, I have like two friends that recently lost their fathers who went home to be with the Lord. Does that mean that, that, that God does not love them? Let me just say, the, the love of God covers everything. If you are going through a situation, if you are going through something that is so difficult, guess what? 
God still loves you. It's not because, like what, what Koch said, you don't, yeah, I think, yeah, whoever, um, you don't have to perform. You don't have to perform for God's love. God loves you all the same. And God's love is for everyone. So say that to me, say that with me again. I am loved. Let me put this scripture in context because maybe I don't want to, you know, be, uh, <laughs> I want to give justice to the scripture. But when this passage was written, the nation of Israel, um, they were going through a tough time. The Babylonians were conquering their nation. You know, they had the people being sent into exile. And the temple, the place where God dwells, was destroyed. So can you imagine a nation going through all of those things? You know, people maybe dying, you know, um, people being sent to a foreign land. Can you imagine the pain the suffering, and all of these things. But then the prophet Jeremiah, in spite of all of those things happening around this nation, he had the, the courage to write these words from God and says that through the Lord's mercies, we, talking about Israel, we are not consumed because his compassions, God's compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. You know, I'm going to wrap up in a bit and... It kind of feels weird to say this, but I'm going to ask the team to come up and sing because normally I'm on the other side of this conversation. So if, that, can, if I can have the team up. But let me read the scripture in the ESV. And some of you may be uh, familiar with these lines and this song. It says in the ESV, can I have that on the screen if you have it? It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I'm going to read that again. Maybe it's a reminder, not just for me, but for you, even online. Say, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So if I can ask, I would just like to have an invitation to anyone that is here right now and maybe you are struggling with the thought that you are loved by God. That your circumstances that are maybe like challenging are so difficult and are so hopeless. But let me assure you, God's love is right there with you. If that is you here on site and even online, I want to invite you to stand up and I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to sing this song. And we're going to let the love of God shower us. In Jesus' name. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. We'll sing that again. The steadfast love of the Lord if that is you, I invite you to stand up. We're going to pray for you. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faith. Oh, Lord, great is 
faithfulness to your people and even right now I speak your love to flow freely in us embrace us with your love show us how wonderful we are in your sight we thank you for your radical love towards us and I speak that over everyone on site and online in Jesus name now before we kind of like wrap this whole thing up I do want to do one more thing and if you are here, and maybe you've, you've, talk, you've heard of us talking about the love of God, and you have not yet experienced that for yourself in a real and tangible way, and let me just invite you in this you know, prayer to experience the love of God. Maybe you've been going through life and just you know, trudging along, but let me tell you, God loves you so much. If that is you on site and online, we're going to say a little prayer. But it's not just about the prayer, but it's what, you know, your heart and your believing for Jesus, right? So I'm going to pray and I invite you to join us, even the congregation, just, you know, join us together. Because I know there are people here that are wanting and needing to experience God's love and say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, thank you I thank you for loving me. I thank you for showing me how much, how high, how deep, and how wide is your love towards me by sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross and pay for my sin. I invite you now into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. From this day on, I am loved by you. And I will walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer, come on, we can cheer for, for that. It's amazing. It's the greatest love that you could ever receive. If you pray that prayer on-site and online, let me just encourage you. Tell someone. Tell us. Send us a message. And we have a team that's going to give you something if you are here. And if you are online, you know, we have our team going to reach out to you. And we want to help you get started on this wonderful and amazing journey of God's love towards you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor? Amen, 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 amen. Let's appreciate the Fantastic Four. <laughs> amen. So busog, amen. So busog, so full of God's love, God's word, amen. Among you are appreciative of just God downloading and giving things to us, amen. Fresh manna, fresh bread that comes from heaven, amen. Our desire is really just, you know, coming from the four, uh, our speakers and also the people who are here the speakers the pastors that we just are going to 
give an emphasis with regards to God's love. You know why? Because I believe everything that we do born out of love will never fail. And the world needs that, the reality, the authentic love, right? It's not just something that we speak about. It's something that we act on. It's something that people see in us because we're recipients of this amazing, great, radical, boundless, wow, all the adjectives love. So amazing is His love for us. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.